From SGI USA, I'm Cassidy Bradford, and this is Buddhability, the weekly series where I talk with Buddhists from all walks of life about the power we each have to change our lives and the world around us. For today's episode, we asked you to share one thing you love about yourself. Some of you were a little rebellious, though, and answered everything. Can't name just one thing. While I'm very much a rule follower, I have to admit that I loved this answer. Another answer I loved, which came from quite a few folks, is compassion and kindness. Many of you really love your ability to care for other people. One person said that it was their Buddhist practice that helped them become more compassionate and caring. Today's guest has been on the receiving end of care and now wants to become someone who can care for and encourage others. When something in your life is going wrong, maybe your boss has been driving you nuts, or maybe you're going through a breakup, do you ever get stuck in a cycle of asking the universe, why me? I know that I spent a good part of my 20s asking that question, and if I'm being honest, I can still get stuck there sometimes. But Buddhism teaches us that each struggle we encounter is an opportunity. An opportunity to fight against our own negativity and become stronger and more capable. As time goes on, and the more we chant Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, the more confident we are that we're each equipped to overcome anything just by tapping into our own limitless wisdom, courage, and compassion. What we refer to on this show as bootability. This week, I'm speaking with Sasha Lee of Hawaii, who has shown how overcoming challenges again and again in our lives helps us build up our confidence and develop the ability to bounce back and never give up. My name is Sasha. I live in Hawaii on the island of Oahu and I work, I have a bunch of different jobs, but I do a lot of um, TV filming for a Japanese travel educational TV show that we film it here in Hawaii. And I also promote small businesses here in Hawaii towards Japan and bunch of different jobs. <laughs> like eight different jobs, honestly. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, I did not realize it was so many. <laughs> yeah, I work with like a hotel in Waikiki, like airlines and a bunch of different stuff. I do my job because I want to like kind of give back something to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. So my main goal is for give back something to Hawaii because I love this island and I love the people here. That's so wonderful. I can't wait to hear more about all of the eight jobs and how you ended <laughs> yeah. up in Hawaii. So maybe we can just get started with you telling me a little bit about yourself, what your life was like growing up and who you were before you really like started your Buddhist practice. I was actually born into this practice. So ever since, you know, I was a baby, I've listened to my parents chant or my grandma chant. And I'm actually half Japanese and half American. So my mom's Japanese and my dad's American. And I grew up in Japan, kind of. Because my dad's side family, they lived all in like California and Texas. But we kind of switched off to meeting in Hawaii. It's kind of a midpoint between Japan and then America mainland. So 
we used to visit in Hawaii and meet each other. But my parents also had a business. So we would come here during summer, winter, spring for like each two months. So I was in Hawaii for like six months a year. As I mentioned, I was born into this Buddhist practice. I never understood why I was practicing. It was just like brushing my teeth every day and night. Yeah, I I didn't know how to explain why I practice. But (laughs) when I moved to Hawaii officially, I was, I think, 15 years old. I think so. Yeah, 15 or 16. And uh, when I moved here, I started going to public school. I used to go to private school in Japan. So that was already a completely different environment for me. But also at the same time, everybody that was around me was not in the same religion with me. So everybody had different kind of religion, different kind of value, different thought. And I really loved it how I was able to experience that new environment and situation. But one thing that kind of like stuck in my head and my heart was when people asked me, what do you do when you go to your meeting? Or what? why do you chant? Or why are you a Buddhist? Like, what do you guys do? What do you believe in? <laughs> I couldn't answer them. I couldn't give them the answer. I was like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, well, I was born into the practice. But why do I chant? Like, I didn't even know what Nam-myoho-renge-kyo meant. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that was kind of a trigger for me to actually study this practice and hmm. then start like actually attending meeting. Not because my parents told me to go to the meeting and attend, but like actually wanting to attend so I can share it with my friend in school. So that's kind of um the reason that I actually started to understand why I do this, why I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, because yeah. everybody was telling me, wow, you're so positive. You're so happy all the time. You're laughing all the time. You're smiling. Why is that? And I couldn't answer that before. Yeah. But as I started to, you know really study and then understand the impact of this practice. I realized that I'm positive or happy all the time or make other people happy is because I'm in this practice. I'm glad that I moved here and I'm glad that I was able to encounter a different kind of religion because that was something that, you know, like made me realize that I'm very fortunate to have this practice. Yeah, it's so interesting because I also grew up in a household that practices and I didn't chant every day. I just chanted Mm -hmm. like when I wanted something every once in a while if I went to a meeting. But yeah, you kind of take it for granted when you're younger too. Like you don't really realize you're just born into like a family that's, you know, chanting. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I really, really relate to that. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about the relationship you had early on and like how that impacted your practice when you were younger mm-hmm. because I was young <laughs> as we all I, have yeah. been or currently yes. are <laughs> yes because I was young I was so, having so much fun in school I also had a boyfriend that time I fell in love like deeply and then you know love is something that just gives you so much joy in life everything is like turns into such a beautiful thing and I was just so in love. I understood that every time I shared my practice to other people, it made me so happy too. Like 
we share this practice because we want other people to be happy. So like if you share, you want that very special person in front of you to be happy too. Yeah. So that's what I did. Of course, my boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, I'm the happiest right now, but I want you to be the happiest with me too. So something that I really thought that he was going to say was that, wow, this is amazing. It's beautiful. But instead, what I got back from him was that I can't be with you unless if you join my religion. It was very difficult. And then I was just so devastated when he told me that, you know, you need to change your religion to mine. I felt like my whole existence was denied. The only person that I thought that loved me wholeheartedly told me that, you know, you need to change it. Then it felt like he didn't really love me for who I am. We tried to work it out. Different kind of value and different religion. Like I stopped going to meetings. I stopped chanting and I was getting text messages and then calls from my friend that was really supporting me. I completely ignored her for like three years. She wanted wow. to invite me to meetings and stuff, but I completely stopped. And it was really a struggle for me to sit chat about it. But I was getting depressed and I was losing hope. But I ignored it because I was with the person that I loved from bottom of my heart. Three years after the relationship that was continuing dragging. I realized that I can't do this anymore because I hit rock bottom. I was crying every day. I was so depressed. I, I broke it off with my boyfriend. And the first person that I wanted to talk to, to ask for help, to tell me what to do, was the friend that was trying to reach me for three years, that I ignored for three years. Wow. <laughs> I called her and I knew that she wasn't going to answer. I mean, like I ignored her for three years, right? But really surprisingly, when I called her, she answered and then she lived really far from me, like hour and a half. But she came straight to my house. She, she just sat and then she talked to me and then she listened. What she told me was that, you know, like you are so precious. Your life is so precious. You have infinite potential. And you deserve to be the happiest. She encouraged me to chant. She told me, I'll chant with you. She was there for me, even though I ignored her for three years. That really moves my heart. The fact that she was there for me. Like, all the encouragement that she gave me. Not that encouragement that people will say like, Oh, it's okay. He's bad for you anyways. <laughs> you know, oh, you poor thing. But instead, she really made me realize that I have so much potential in my life. I can do whatever I want, whatever I want to be. And she's going to be there for me to chat with me. That was kind of a, my turning point in my life that, you know, like I am gonna really win in my life and be the absolute happiest, not just, you know, surface happiness, but absolute happiness that I'm going to achieve. So she really helped me. Wow. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Our Buddhist community is re really remarkable in that way. I think that mm -hmm. I know that I will always have someone here mm -hmm. for me when some crazy thing happens in my life. And I don't believe that there's 
any way out of it or I feel ashamed or whatever the case is, that there's somebody that I can always rely on that will come Mm -hmm. over, they'll chant with me and then they'll tell me what I need to hear. Just like you said, not just like, oh, I'm I'm sorry, but how do we like really move forward from this, which I think is so beautiful and really significant. Mm I think that's a really great segue to kind of one of the themes that we are going to talk about today, which is just the the power of one person to encourage mm-hmm. someone one to one or even, you know, maybe in your case to larger audience. So um, to get started, maybe you could just share a little bit more about how you started your career. I know you mentioned right now you've got eight different jobs, <laughs> but how did that start? <laughs> I was actually working a bunch of different jobs and I was really struggling financially ever since I was in college. So whenever I needed to go to school, I would like look for quarters now so I can put gas in and, you know, that kind of situation that I was in. So I was always like, you know, any opportunity that I get to do any job, I would take it for my pocket money. And then I had an opportunity to work for TV shows and stuff because I'm bilingual. And my mom actually used to work in the industry of like TV business in Japan. I was introduced to do like a couple of different TV segments for Hawaii, like special segment, summertime. So once a year, I would do a little like a MC for a TV show. But that was always a one-time job. And I was like, yay, pocket money. So <laughs> I was happy. <laughs> but at the same time, because I I was local, I'm, I am still a local, but growing up in Hawaii, like I always see like tourists coming into Hawaii. And I had a lot of friends who was homeless, didn't have like money to buy shoes or you know, parents really struggling with drug issues. So like the kids have to stay in different houses every week. So I I knew that side of Hawaii, you know, like when people see Hawaii, they might see Waikiki and white sandy beach and, you know, like (laughs) Hula. But the side of Hawaii that not many people know was, you know, very um, dark and sad. So like... I I didn't really like dive myself into the TV business because it supported the tourist side of Hawaii. I started working at a hotel in a high-end boutique full-time. And while doing that, I got a job offer to be a regular MC for a TV show that they air every week in Japan. And then I was like, (laughs) what do I do? Yeah, <laughs> it was like, ah. because I, I I heard of that TV show. All they did was really show the touristy spot or not a very local business. When I heard that I'm getting an offer, I'm like, ah. <laughs> I'm not sure. But my first intention was that, you know, I'll get pocket money, which is kind of embarrassing to say. But I, I will I will get a little income. So yeah, why not? So when I started in the beginning, it was such a struggle for me. I was also working at a hotel boutique for full time and I was working to film. So that was really hard for me physically and mentally. Were you like chanting at all about this, like your financial situation or like how to navigate the balancing act of these different jobs? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, that was the one thing that really, you know, like kept me going. I was struggling so much internally too. So when I was chanting, I'm like, why am I like feeling like this? You know, like I'm exhausted. And then I'm so mad at myself for taking this extra job. I was just exhausted. So I was chanting. But while I was chanting, which is something that we do when we're happy or when we're struggling, but I realized that my chanting when I was struggling, it was always why, why, why. So so that why started changing to how. How can I change this environment that I'm in? How can I, you know, break through this internal suffering that I have right now? So that how changed into a determination. So it was that why, then how, and then the determination. So my how changed into a determination of, you know, I'm struggling so much right now in work, but I'm going to turn this into an opportunity to something positive. As I worked and as I filmed in different locations, people that we introduce or the job or business that we introduce, they come up to me and say, thank you so much. We're going to have more people coming in because of your show. That made me realize that what I'm doing right now is actually really amazing that I get to introduce small businesses towards Japan. So the production crew, they start listening to me about the small businesses in Hawaii, how they're struggling. How did you get them to listen? I know, right? It was (laughs) chanting. (laughs) Yeah, because in the beginning, I wasn't getting paid that much. It was such a small paycheck that I was getting. And it was, you know, like I didn't understand why I took that job. But in our community, we always try to do our best to be the most important person in our workplace. Like so valuable at the point that people couldn't let you go. (laughs) Yes, yes. So... I really worked hard because chanting, it changed my mindset about my work. And changing my mindset absolutely changed, uh, you know, the way that I work. So I was always smiling, doing my best to work. And then everybody around me started to understand that, you know, choosing her as the MC of this job was the right decision. And because of that, they started to, you know, like understand why I'm doing this was because I wanted to support small businesses. So when I realized that my struggle turned into my determination that I am going to promote the small businesses in Hawaii, promote the people in Hawaii, promote the culture and history in Hawaii, so I can give something back to the island. It gave me a big motivation to do my best in work. My poison really turned into a medicine. (laughs) That's so amazing. I feel like your story here really illustrates uh, what Buddhism teaches us, that it's not our environment that is directing our whole life, right? We're the directors Mm -hmm. of this this play of our lives. Mm -hmm. So 
when we shift, we can turn something that's like, oh my gosh, this is just the most excruciating job ever to something that's really fulfilling and rewarding. And the job didn't change, Mm -hmm. right? Like you changed and then (laughs) the job reflected that shift. So it's so encouraging to hear that. I know that as you were like starting to really feel like this job is super fulfilling, uh, Mm -hmm. COVID happened. So... (laughs) How did that pan out? My work was kind of expanding. I was going to Japan a lot to do events. And I was still working my full-time job at a hotel. I got day off to work for the TV show or to go to Japan. So all those stuff that was going through my life, I was exhausted, but I was so happy. You know, like how we were talking earlier that if we change, then everything around us change. And it, it sounds very easy, but it's very hard. It, it takes a while to do that too. It took a while for me. And then finally, I, I got that breakthrough. <laughs> and then the COVID hit. And I lost all my job. Like everything. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And because of COVID and now lockdown that happened in Hawaii. I lost my full-time job at the hotel and then all my trip to Japan got canceled. Everything. We couldn't film. So everything that I was doing was stopped. I also bought a brand new car right before COVID too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I I never had a car and then I always Mm. had a car problem. So I got a brand new car that I was going to use it to bring all my friends to meetings. But COVID, if it was a few years back, I would be panicking. Like I would freak out. That would be the perfect word for it. But because all that breakthrough that I had in that few years, actually, it was like, okay, what can I do? I'm freaking out. I was like, okay, what in this situation, how am I going to overcome this? Wow. <laughs> yeah. That is so, so different than my response to COVID. Uh, I'm amazed by you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So as you were like, what am I going to do? What happened? Mm-hmm. So I... I wasn't freaking out. I was actually like, okay, I'm ready for this. Like, what am I going to do? And then I'm very fortunate. My dad had still had a job. He was an essential worker. So we had incomes. But I know that all that year of working really hard was like something that really changed my mindset that, you know, like even in that kind of situation, I was like, okay, what can I do? So <laughs> I was talking to all the people that had small businesses or my friends that was a designer, brand owner in Hawaii. And I hear how they were struggling. They had no money, that no income, and they couldn't pay rent for their shop. So they had to close down. I was like, okay, maybe it's this is something that I can do. I started to do Instagram live. Mm. So every Saturday I was doing Instagram live. And throughout that, I was promoting small businesses. Prior to that, I got a lot of messages from my, Mm. my followers and saying that the only thing that I looked forward to in my life was to come to Hawaii. So that is the whole reason why I work really hard in Japan. And I had this one person message me saying that she had a heart condition. So she's always in the hospital and always having surgery. 
But when she was in Hawaii, she felt better. She worked really hard so she can save money to come to Hawaii. But because of COVID, she can't do that anymore. And she feels so depressed. So, I wanted to do something for people who were feeling like that. And I wanted to do something for people in Hawaii who own small businesses. I wasn't getting any income from that. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> but it was so much fun. It was such a joy for me to see everybody's comments saying they're so happy or get a、um, message from the People who I supported, all the small businesses saying, Thank you so much. I don't have to worry about how I can put food on the table for my family or I can pay rent for next month. Wow.、Uh, that really gave me joy. Yeah. And then at the same time, I had this gratitude towards all the chanting、mm. and then all the study that I did, like everything that I did. Did in this practice really affected all my decisions that I had during that?、Mm-hmm. So, during the lockdown, I actually was very happy for what I did.、Mm-hmm. You know,、mm-hmm. I think because I really chanted about it and then I really dived myself into studying, I was able to have a very positive mindset about it. I was able to help other people,、mm-hmm. and that gave me so much joy. Mm-hmm. And then throughout you know, process of it, I, I started to get a lot of followers and then a lot of different opinions、mm-hmm. <laughs> about me. I never had a negative comment about what I do, but I started to get a comment about how I look. Ah,、uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, all that happy. Going up the hill, kind of, you know, situation was start going downhill.、Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pretty sure people who commented or gave me a message about how I look or how I gained weight and all those stuff didn't really mean to harm my feelings, or it might have been just a comment, you know. But at the same time, I started to feel very insecure.、Hmm. Because it wasn't only one person, it was a lot of people who told me that, you know, like commented on my looks.、Yeah. And I, I, I struggled with insecurity and, you know, like self esteem when I was younger too, because when I was living in Japan, I looked very different from other people.、Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was half Japanese, half American. So it feels like that insecurity that I had when I was younger. I mean, I could ignore all those comments, right?、Mm. But I, it, somehow it got me to,、yeah. to it. And it, people would comment saying that, you know, oh my gosh, you gained a lot of weight, or,、mm. you know, well, you look chunky、wow. in this picture. So,、mm. all those little words, I, I started feeling very sad. And then、yeah. I started to feel miserable and insecure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes so much sense to feel that way,、mm-hmm. especially like you know, you're kind of this unplanned, like, influencer public figure. And、mm-hmm. so many people, especially those of us that like grew up with the internet and、mm-hmm. having photos of ourselves everywhere to be judged, <laughs> you know,、mm-hmm. I think that that experience probably resonates with so many people. How did you navigate that? I mean, it's so hard not to. 
internalize those things. And in fact, it sounds like, Mm -hmm. of course, you started to internalize them. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. How did you how did you navigate that? Actually, I wasn't doing a good job navigating, honestly, Hmm. in the beginning. Um, Something that I always thought about myself was that I never took a job that because of how I looked or I never presented myself in front of people because of how I look. I took the job of TV show and modeling and then doing Instagram live because I wanted to help other people. So when people started commenting about my looks and my weight, I was actually really surprised. I didn't think that people cared because Mm. I didn't care. (laughs) (laughs) So in the beginning, I was very depressed. I I felt very miserable. And my insecurity was to the point that I couldn't wear tank tops or shorts. I mean, it's Hawaii. It's hot all the time. So I used to wear shorts and tank tops all the time. But Mm -hmm. I didn't want to wear it because those comments and messages that I got or people telling me that I gained weight, I started to think that wow, like my arm is way too big or Mm. my legs are way too big. I started thinking about myself like that. I I started Mm. to slander myself. It was just very sad. Right now, honestly, I am still struggling of how I depict myself. Yeah. But it's really interesting when you're feeling the lowest, there's always someone that trying to reach to you. Mm. So I was really struggling, but I got a text message from one of my Buddhist friends saying, I want to introduce you to this Buddhist girl and we can do Zoom. And then I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> the first thing she asked me was, so Sasha, how are you doing? <laughs> And then when she asked me that, I was like, I'm not okay. (laughs) I started crying and Mm. telling her how miserable I am. I hate myself. And I just, I can't believe. I I also hated myself for people telling me that and then believing it. Hmm. I was like really crying. I've never exploded in front of people like that. But... I was really, really crying and I was telling her how miserable I was. Somehow I was thinking that, you know, she will tell me, oh, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I don't think you gained weight. I think you're beautiful. But of course, our practice, it is a very different kind of encouragement that we get. What she told me opened my eyes big time. She told me, you're not the only one. I was like, what? I mean, I know that. (laughs) But she was like, you're going to overcome this. And then you're going to encourage so many other women. You're going to overcome this. Like that words really touched my heart. When I look back all the stuff that I've been through, the reason why I came back and started practicing really wholeheartedly was because that one person really encouraging me. When she told me that, you know, you're not the only one, you're going to overcome this and you're going to encourage other people so much. Hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, that's what I wanted to do this whole time is Hmm. to really encourage other people. 
something that really touched my heart was that it wasn't some pity words, but she believed in me too. I was like, I want to do something like that to other people. Like, I want to be able to encourage them, like, not lose hope. She also told me that every person has a Buddha nature within themselves. And that if we slander your Buddha nature, it means that you're pretty much doing the same with slandering other people. And I would never do that, right? Like, I would never comment on the other people's insecurity or how they look. Like, you wouldn't do that. So why would you do that to yourself? So I really chanted after that. Like, really, really chanted. And then my chanting wasn't that sad, miserable chanting. But instead, Mm. it was another determination that I'm going to break through this. And I'm going to encourage other people. Mm. Just like all the other people that encourage my life. No matter how many times we go through obstacles and we overcome it. It's like a never-ending mountain that we're climbing. (laughs) It sounds horrible. But it's not because every time you're climbing up that mountain and then you go over that big hill and then you stop and then you look around you, it is beautiful. Mm. You're the happiest. And then you're so ready to go over that another another mountain or hill because you know that if you go over that, it's so beautiful again. Yeah, it's like every time the mountain, maybe if you were from the ground, looks like, wow, it's another peak. It's even higher than before. But because you can look down Mm -hmm. and go, oh, I've already climbed all of these peaks. I know that I can climb this one more. It's fine. In the time that you were feeling just like really miserable and internalizing all of those comments what was your practice like at that time like before your friend reached out and you were like oh okay I'm I'm ready Mm -hmm. to challenge compared to the first obstacle that I went through and when I was teenager I was able to sit down I was able to say which was a big changing point for me like it, it was totally different I think while you're chanting, like we chant because we bring out our Buddha nature within ourselves, right? We chant because we gain wisdom. I understood that it's okay even when you're chanting in the beginning that you might be kind of saying something bad about yourself or saying Mm. something bad about other people, Mm. but it automatically changes your mindset. That I think is a wisdom Hmm. because I learned that when I go through obstacle, I can use the way that I overcame to my next obstacle. I mean, it's always different. All the stuff that I go through, Mm -hmm. all the suffering, the miserable feeling, it's always different. But I have that tool of chanting and that encouragement from my um, mentor in life and Mm -hmm. my friends in this community like all those things that I have in my life, I can use that to keep going forward and then keep overcoming. Yeah. Of course, in the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, I hate myself for feeling this miserable. Yeah. <laughs> like you you don't realize it in the beginning, but like you can change it yeah. gradually. It doesn't change like that. Yeah. But 
gradually everything takes time so Mm -hmm. this time it took time for me too again Mm -hmm. like I want to be able to you know be the happiest be the most confident Mm -hmm. so I can encourage other people yeah that is such a great point I mean so many amazing points but one thing I was thinking is like for anybody that you know is listening to this episode and hasn't started chanting or maybe has started but like they're still Mm -hmm. trying to figure it out I think what you shared about being able to start chanting in a place where you feel bad it's okay we don't have Mm -hmm. to be already like enlightened and in this calm place before we chant right chanting is Mm -hmm. the thing to bring about this shift in our attitude or our mindset so I think that's really an important thing that I wanted to highlight um Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to ask what kind of like determinations related to this or just otherwise in your life do you have looking toward the future? Because, you know, in Buddhism, Mm -hmm. we're always going to have another thing coming up that we're challenging and we're always encouraged to look toward the future, set goals for ourselves, challenge Mm ourselves. So is there anything Mm -hmm. that right now you're like, oh, I'm in the thick of this and I'm chanting to become this way or yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, I want to be the most most confident, the happiest. Internally, that's what I'm really chanting about. I know that if I achieve that, there's going to be so many other people that I can influence. I want to be that one friend who really pulled me through in the dark time that I experienced. When I look back, I wouldn't be able to say those kind of stuff, you know, like... I was so miserable and sad, but all those mountains that I climbed really was beautiful. It's the most beautiful sight ever. So because I was able to see that, I'm able to, you know, think so positively. There were some points that I would think about the future and I would think, oh my gosh, I'm not looking forward to that or I can't even think about it. But as I learned that my life is infinite, then it gave me hope that I can do so much more and I can be the happiest in the future. I think I'm going to ask maybe just one kind of closing question. If mm-hmm. you think about yourself as the the friend that came to visit you back when you were in that relationship mm-hmm. and you called them up, what would you say to yourself in that moment when you felt like really discouraged? It's a good question. I can look back and say that it's a good thing that you went through that. It's okay. It's not a scar that leaves you. It's an opportunity for you to learn. Hmm. Because you went through that, you are who you are right now. So I, I would say that, you know, like it might be really hard right now. And then you might be struggling so much, but you're going to overcome it. Just like how my friend knew that I was going to overcome. I would I would tell her that. When I was younger, my mentor in life, Daisaku Ikeda, he sent a message to like um kids. And then in that message, he had a quote saying, turn your face to the sun, then the shadow will fall behind you. And that's a quote from um, Maori warrior in New Zealand. That's so beautiful. It is beautiful, right? It was always in my heart. It was always in my head. Whenever I feel down... Even if I had a hard time sitting in front of the Gohonzon, I will always remember that quote. Even the most 
darkest time, if you turn your face to the sun, the shadow will always fall behind you. That was, that's something that I really always try to do. Listening to Sasha, I was really struck by how she always got back up after a fall, with each time becoming easier and easier to do so. Like she said, we're always going to have obstacles in our lives. But as we practice, we start to believe in our ability to overcome even the most painful feelings. We can look back at our lives and say, oh, I've already won over myself before. I can do it again. I admired Sasha's vulnerability and openness about still working through some of the comments she received. Her courage to share honestly and attitude to keep going are such a clear example of how tapping into our bootability helps us develop into the strongest version of ourselves. There's this concept in Buddhism called earthly desires are enlightenment. We can think about earthly desires as things that cause us suffering or things that we want in our lives that we don't have and so are causing us suffering. While enlightenment is a vast and expansive state of absolute happiness. Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda talks about this concept. He writes, Normally, one would assume that earthly desires and enlightenment are separate and independent conditions, especially since suffering would seem to be the exact opposite of happiness. But this is not the case in Nichiren Buddhism, which teaches that only by burning the firewood of problems and suffering can we obtain the flames of happiness. In other words, by using suffering as fuel, we gain the light and energy for happiness. And it is by chanting Nam Myoho Denge Kyo that we burn the firewood of earthly desires. With stories like Sasha's, we can really see this principle come to life, each suffering used as an opportunity for growth. Sometimes our problems feel insurmountable, at least at first, and that's why we have this bootability community. We study Buddhism and chant together, we encourage each other, and determine to become the kind of person who can really encourage others in our lives. So, if you're interested in meeting others in the Buddhability community and starting your own Buddhist practice, please reach out to us at connect at sgi-usa.org. We'll help you find a community near you. And one last thing, for next week's episode, we want to hear from you something you'd like to challenge before the end of the year. As always, you can send us an email or reach out on Instagram. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.